Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Thank you for joining us in this series called Home is Holy Ground. We began this series early in June and hope that you will find encouragement during your sheltering at home. I don't know what's going on with your city or state or your sheltering, but I know that we are all being home a bit more than we have been in recent months. So why is it holy ground and how do I hallow the ground that I tangibly live on? Well, we decided that this was a time to remind ourselves that this place, so much of God's work is done in this place we call home. We went by room by room from doors to bedrooms and baths. If we missed any, if you missed any of these broadcasts, they are in our archives, and we hope that you'll go back and pick up one or two of them if you haven't been with us for the whole series. Also, there are some resources I want to remind you of. There are free resources. One of them is the poem entitled, Who Holds the Heart of This Home? Another is a visual free resource a stick figure house, which we encouraged you to make a copy of for yourself and your husband and talk a little bit about what is it you want your house to look like. Maybe you've just been through a cleaning and you want to keep it clean. Maybe you've just been through a time of being at home and recognizing how your children are evolving and changing or how the two of you are evolving and changing and some new things you want to add to your stick figure house. It's yours Nobody else can fill in the blanks except the two of you. My husband and I recently did it again because of this series and because of the fact we've recently moved and it altered itself. There's a shift in what we hope to do in this new place, which has much less work for us and more opportunities of a different sort. There's also the book, Finding Your Purpose as a Mom, and that book, which... Um, it's been in print for a while now. The subtitle of it was How to Build Your Home on Holy Ground. So there are some deeper conversations in that book about this series, which we are about to finish in the next two days. And today I want to talk to you about Home is Holy Ground, a place for service and a place of service. A place for service and a place of service. I want you to look at your home as a place to serve God and to serve others and then to learn how to serve in a way that demonstrates and trains the children who live in your home. Now, I have a friend who um, gave birth to her first child 38 years ago. I know that because I know her child, and um, she had been a full-time career woman. Her husband was a full-time career man, and they had been waiting for the gift of a child for quite a while. And suddenly, she was great with child, and the whole world was changed. Just the whole world was changed. And she prepared and did every class imaginable to help her be the best mom possible and um, fix the nursery. And her little son was just, oh, maybe 15 or 18 months old. She had been a teacher in the church. She had done a lot of hospitality for the church. She had been engaged in serving others in the church. And she called me on the phone one day, and she said, I'm feeling very unsettled. And I said, well, what is it? And she talked about the delightfulness of being a mother and 
that she was full steam ahead and she thought her little boy was progressing relatively well. They're kind of folks who want everything to turn out perfect, both medical people. And then she said to me, just as I was, you know, thinking how subtle she said, she said, but I don't have a ministry now. One thing I really miss is that I don't have a ministry. Now, I knew exactly what she meant. I knew exactly what she meant. She doesn't have a ministry like teaching at the church, like having the women's group to her house, like belonging on the committee that served for the children's department, or working in the vestry, or working in the finances, or or all the things that we're privileged to do at the church. She had made this choice to be a stay-at-home person and to raise what became the first of two children, and now she says to me out loud, what I can't get used to is I don't have a ministry. So that gave me a great opportunity, and I think it may have been the first time that I really sort of dug into the notion about ministry, and what does the ministry mean, and where does the word come from? You know, in a lot of countries, there's the minister of the treasury, and the minister of the secretary, and the minister of finance, of, of the labor, and well, what are those? Those are servants. To minister is to serve. And I knew that she had just had a change of ministry, but I also knew to her that it felt like she didn't have a ministry. So I want to remind you that in your home, you are the first church your children see, the first seminary, the first tower of truth, the first classroom, whether you homeschool or not, the first hospital where hearts are mended and cared for, the first place of choice. My daughter, who made her first aggressive step at two and a half years old when she woke up one morning after having eggs most of her life every day and said, I hate eggs, a place of change. Two and a half years old, a place of choice, a place of change. It's a place of work, a place of rest, a place where people belong. It's a laboratory, a place where research goes on and is ongoing. It's a way station, for we are often the place for someone who's fallen on their knee and bruised it, or who has a heartache, or needs a place to spend the evening, or the night, or the weekend. We are a little mini on earth. There are many places to serve in these kinds of environment. In the Gospels, we hear Jesus say that the Pharisees were whitewashed tombs full of corpses, but not doing the work of God. The classic story of the full-time church people leaving the man on the street. Who was the man on the street? We don't know, but he was needy. And the priest went by, and the rabbi went by, and it wasn't until the Samaritan went by, and his name was no longer Samaritan. His name was forevermore the Good Samaritan. And the Samaritan did the serving of the needy man. God often does his transforming work from the inside out, from the simple to the complex, from the particular to the general, inner to outer, small to large, individual to people groups. And I say a number of those because I want you to grasp how much of this work that God does starts from the inside or from the simple and it goes to the more complicated. Here's a few examples. He created man and woman. 
He created two people. What was his bigger goal? To create a human race. But he didn't just go, now there's 16 billion people on the globe. He created two. He renewed the earth with the flood. So much had happened that he disapproved of, and he gathered one family while all else perished. Small, one family to renew and repopulate the earth. He blessed the population, the population that he would one day call his favorite, the children of Israel. He blessed it through Sarah and Abraham, Sarah who didn't have a child until she was 90 years old. And of course, he blessed redemption. He, the, the whole business of that complicated, wonderful word, redemption, started with a young girl and a baby in a manger. And I, I thought today, as I was going through these notes, that Jesus lived on this earth for 33 years. He did. Do you ever think that only three of them he was engaged in what we would call ministry outside of the home? There's very, very little said about Christ and his zero to 30 years. Much said about the last three years. It, it does seem like even in his own life, there's a pattern of this transforming work starting from the inside, starting from what is the close circle, the mother, the father, the home, the environment that then branches out into. Our children, born, brought home, have their own space to sleep quietly, and then they, they get a room, maybe they share a room, and maybe they go to preschool, but then they go to school and they leave. Mothers cry about going to school as much as mothers cry about sending their children off to college. He reached the world through us. He reaches and teaches and serves himself and the kingdom through us, through your love and your care and your building into your children a heart of service. He reached the world by your serving your neighbors, you know, and their pets who peep on your lawn and you wish they didn't. Your ministry is work in your home with your family. Can you do more? Of course you can. But as Elizabeth had said to me many years ago, don't carry a Bible unless you swept under the bed. So we've been talking about your home, the various rooms of your home, the various order of your home, the various cleanliness of your home and organization of it. What shape is it in? What shape is it in, Mama? What shape is it in, woman of the house? And then how much of your time are you expending outside of your home? Depending on what you've just said about the condition of your home, you have a great deal of latitude if things are running well and are in order and your children are progressing well. If they're not and you see telltale signs in your marriage relationship, in the order of your home, in the rearing of your children, you're doing too much outside if you're doing anything. This needs to be a priority. Is your home a service center ready to minister to others? Is your home a place full of hospitality? I want to talk to you a little bit about how home changes the world. The Cleveland Clinic declared that the happiest people surround themselves with family and friends. They don't care about keeping up with the Joneses next door. They lose themselves in daily activities, and most importantly, they forgive easily. That's the Cleveland Clinic. That's not the Cleveland Church. The world is trouble, and there are wars going on, and there are, certainly are pandemics going on, and you're calling as mother, wife, 
woman and homemaker is crucial. C.S. Lewis said, there is no neutrality in the universe. Every inch is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. What a powerful man this man was in his writing. One sentence that declares so much to us. I'm quite convinced of this truth, and I see the effect and effects of this truth. We are homemakers. We keep the home. We make a home. We help God make his creation a place to accomplish his plan. I think often of the mothers who, who were mothers of great and important people. Monica, the mother of Constantine. She prayed and prayed and prayed for a very wayward son. She prayed that he particularly not go to Rome, and he went to Rome. Why? Because it was a city of pagan gods. He went, and there he found Christ as his savior. Constantine ruled the world in 300 AD, and he declared the Roman Empire to be Christ's religion. Think of that. Think of that. A mother who prayed and prayed from the inside out for this one child, her child, and then one mother, one home, one plan, and God used her son to change the world. So we continue to do the things that God allows us to do. This is a countercultural message that we provide here at Modern Homemakers, but I want to remind you of the importance of it. And then we provide this thing called hospitality. Hospitality. What is hospitality? It's different than entertainment. Entertainment can impress and be exhausting. Hospitality can express and be inspiring. Entertainment shows off your stuff. Hospitality shares your stuff. I often think about that showing off your stuff and sharing your stuff. I happen to have a lot of things that need a little special attention, a little silver that needs to be polished. And when I am truly sharing my stuff, it doesn't matter what condition my silver is in or what condition my tablecloth is in, or if I have a tablecloth, whether I have paper napkins or not. In our new home, which we've only had five or six people into in the nearly three months we've lived there now, it, it, no one's been in it except the workers. And it has been a great opportunity for us to share our stuff, our bathroom, our food, our water, our ice, the simple things that we've had in this new place. So what is it that makes you feel valued, wanted, welcomed, invited? At school? At church? It's hospitality. And for years I've said that hospitality is in your eyes, your hands, and your heart. And in that passage that we often refer to in Titus, Titus chapter 1 verse 8, he tells us to be hospitable people. So keep your eyes open for others' needs. Look around you. It's an opportunity for you to share. It's an opportunity for you to invite them in. It's an opportunity to call a neighbor and take some food. It's an opportunity to go to the market and bring something to someone who's not able to go to the market, especially during these opportunities. 
Look around when people are in your home. Do they look comfortable on that sofa? Maybe offer them a pillow. Do their feet touch the floor when they need to reach the table? Did they drop their napkin or they can't hold their cup and their plate at the same time if you're having a buffet? Be conscious. Keep your eyes open. Keep your hands open and be willing to serve them. Do what it takes to serve people who come into your house and keep your heart open. Keep it open so that it is turned to the least. Let your love be genuine, Paul tells us in Roman. Read Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, and write hospitality across those verses in your Bible. In 1 Peter, he tells us that we are to be hospitable to one another without grumbling or complaining hospitable without grumbling or complaining. In a culture that has more Pinterest articles and more opportunities to watch gourmet cooking shows and design clothes and remodel homes, I don't see a show on television at all about how do you serve people who come into your home? What is it you do? Not to make your table look beautiful so you look beautiful. That is entertainment. But how is it that you serve someone who comes through your door? And then how is it you serve someone in the presence of your children that they see you and want to do the same sort of serving? There are a lot of practical tips to this. I want to tell you a story about my daughter. I don't talk about my daughter very much. She's a grown woman now, and she's an independent woman, has a master's degree in marriage therapy and counseling, has her own family and children. So these stories about her when she was young seem, oh, that was such a long time ago. And yet this story came to my mind as I was thinking about hospitality, a serving David and I were very conscious of this concept. We did not come from homes that were hospitable. We often laugh and say that neither one of our mothers knew how to cook. They took the rawness out of food. We never ate raw food, but that's all they did. They took the rawness out of food. Neither one of them looked forward to having people in the home. I think you've probably heard me see my mother had to have Christmas Eve every three years, and she would grin and bear it. So we we decided we wanted more than that. And it was early in our marriage that we were hosting something in our home. We still don't remember what it was. And David grabbed me by the arm and sort of swept me into his arms. And he said, listen. He put his fingers on his lips. And he said, listen. And I did. And I'll never forget the sound. I can't tell you who was in our home. But there were people talking. And some laughter, laughter, laughter. And David said, this is the sound I like best in our home. And I thought, ah, ah, I married the right guy. This guy's got it right where we wanted to be. So we did practice hospitality in all sorts of ways. We didn't just host events at our house. We practiced what I say eyes, hands, and heart, and we practiced it before our daughter. Well, Anissa was late at a lot of things in her life. By that I mean she got a late call to start certain things, and she certainly got a late call when it came to dating. Uh, She dated one or two guys by the time she graduated from college, had a career, was working. I think she was 30 years old or 29 and a half when she met her now husband, Jason. About He came to visit her before they were serious, and we went to a store together, Jason, Anissa, and myself, okay? 
Jason got in the back seat so I could sit in the front seat. I thought, oh my goodness, what a, what a gentleman. And on the way into the store, there was a woman sitting in a wheelchair. And my daughter, not thinking about this man who she might be wanting to impress or taking care of her mother, she saw this woman in the wheelchair and she leaned down and she said, excuse me, do you need some help? And she said, no, I'm waiting for my ride. I'm just waiting for my ride to come. It'll be good. So we go in the store, we do our thing, and we come back and the lady is still there. And my daughter says, has your ride not come? Is your ride not coming? This is before cell phone. And then she said, oh, it's okay, we'll take you. We'll take you. Now, she has a small car for four people. And the next thing we see is Jason helping her help the lady to the front seat. Jason picking up the wheelchair. He has a pair of tan slacks on, and the wheelchair rubber gets on his trousers. And he picks up the wheelchair, and he puts it in the back of the trunk. And he and I get in the back of the car. And I knew in that moment, whatever happened between the two of them, our daughter had the heart for serving as she saw it, as she would engage in it. It wasn't that we were there or she needed to impress him. She might have said, hey, do you want to do this? That might have been appropriate, but she didn't. And I know that I have watched the two of them be married now for nearly 16 years, and I have watched how much they serve one another and the people who live in their community. So thank you for joining us in this eager attempt we've had at building a home on holy ground. So take off your shoes because your home is holy ground. And you can create a safe, free place of comfort from the storm, from the pandemic, for yourself and for your family. Something sacred can happen in your home on a small scale that God will use in a large way. In fact, it's supposed to happen that way. Your Savior and mine wants to use your life and your work and your home to change the world. So take off your shoes, roll up your sleeves, and continue this challenging, rewarding, fulfilling work of building a home. It is holy ground. We are not citizens of this world trying to make our way through this world. We live as those who are on a journey home. A home we know will have the lights on and the door open and our Father waiting for us to arrive. Let us hold the door open for our families and for strangers and do it in his name. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of serving the Lord in your home. <music>